and welcome to episode 39 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Kelly. Today is Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Kelly? (laughs) It's going good. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the, the podcast again. I'm excited to be back. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, if you are new, you will not notice anything different. But for our returning listeners, um, Courtney is having a bit of a family crisis and she needed some time off. So my friend Kelly has graciously agreed to come back and join me for a chat. She was with me last July, I guess. Yeah, so almost almost a year ago, or I don't know, depending on how the time warp continues. (laughs) It feels like years ago because it was summer. Yes, that's true. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this, two different groups, and, and I saw it online, people like, March took forever, and then April has gone so Nine, fast. Like, right. the weeks what happened to April? Buzz by. It's crazy. Yeah, very, very strange. For me, I'm a teacher, so I'm working, and I'm working online, and the planning for what I have to do for the week takes so much time. So all weekend I plan, and then the week just buzzes by, because everything has to be in order before the week starts, or it just doesn't go well. So the weeks are flying by and Sundays are really long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we'll we'll take up some of your time then and have a little chat. All of our sections will be basically the same. We'll have on the needles. On the easel will be, I know Kelly's doing crafty things, on the table and on the nightstand. And then we'll have a little bit of on the fly as well because I enjoy that segment. So I will go ahead and get started with on the needles. I am a sock goddess. This past two weeks is what I have been knitting. I'm not quite sure why. I used to be a sock knitter kind of 24-7. That was really all I knit and I you know, do a shawl occasionally. But for some reason, I have just been, been doing socks. I have finished two pairs and am about three quarters of a way through a third, which is more than I have done in a very long time. So the first one I finished is Nimue by Rachel Koopy. And the yarn is the usual from Numa Numa in the colorway Ned's Rainbow Trout. That is yarn that was in my stash for 10 years, which is craziness. It was one of those magic skeins that is just so perfect and you don't want to waste it on any regular project. So it just sits there, it never gets used and never gets to become its best self. So I was digging around looking for yarn for this project. This is a mystery knit along free one that Rachel Coopy, who's Coop Knits on Ravelry, did through her, oh no, she posted it on Ravelry. She announced it on Instagram. And it was a great, great pattern. Lots of cables and some lace. And it was just a fabulous pattern that made enough sense. Like if you had cable and lace knitting experience that it really flowed, you still had to pay attention, but you could absolutely read your knitting. It made sense, but there were enough changes in the pattern to keep it interesting. So I finished those and they were super fancy. I posted a picture of those on our Instagram. I was so just can... going to ask if those are the socks that you posted on Instagram because they're beautiful. The colors are so pretty. That's uh, the multicolored one is different one. Okay. These are a solid. They're kind of a teal, like a trout. It was really hard to capture the color uh-huh. in the photo because there's so many kind of background colors and you really have to see them in person, but you can't right now. So. <laughs> you can hang them in the window when I come by. That's true. We could do that. <laughs> Put them on my mailbox. They're the blue pair. They're the blue pair, yeah. Oh, they're so, really pretty. Yeah, so they're very intense. I've been doing, and that's the other thing. Like, I've done 
socks, but they've been just vanilla knitting, just straight knitting, you know, then turn the heel. And um, so these were really fancy pants socks. They're like cable uh, knit socks. Yep. And there's a little bit of lace. Yeah, I really liked them. So I was very pleased with how this turned out. So I have those now. And then the other one yeah. is the multicolor ones. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you know, my birthday is on Friday. Oh, that's true. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just going to throw that in there. <laughs> those might take longer than, than uh, what is it now, six days? Wait, you haven't been planning? <laughs> Who knows? Just, just kidding. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in there. I have not made you socks, have I? No, nope, I, have, I have gloves and I have a scarf, so that's it's true. perfect. <laughs> that's true. That's what you need. Of Monica knitted. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll talk about that. The other ones are the the multicolored one. That colorway is from Must Stash Yarn in her Perfect Socks self striping, and the colorway is called. And I don't speak Spanish, so this is going to sound really awful, and I apologize. Cascarones. Mm -hmm. All right. Got Thank it. you, French. And she said she based it on a event they have in San Antonio, which she said is kind of a combination between Easter and Fiesta. So it sounds like an awesome party. So the colors on this, it's got pink, two shades of pink, and kind of a chocolate brown, and an aqua, and a bright yellow, and a speckly, a speckly business, and some chartreuse in there as well, lime green, mm -hmm. all kinds of colors. It's so bright and cheerful. Mm -hmm. And... She is doing a knit-along with a pattern. It's not a mystery knit-along. So you saw the pattern. You could order yarn to go with it. They had a whole package that, that went with it. Um, I just got the pattern because I thought it was really fun. Just a cable that goes all the way up the back of the sock. And there's little cables on the legs as well. But the idea is that if you wear clogs, you can wear it with clogs and it'll show up all the way. It goes all the way down to the bottom of your heel. I don't actually wear clogs, but I really like the pattern and... <laughs> So only I knew people that wear clogs. Hmm. Hmm, I know someone. Hmm. Not me. So, <laughs> oh, you know? No. I twisted an ankle once, and that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. I, I will wear clogs with straps. Okay. Clogs without straps. All right. All right. Sounds really. <laughs> take that into consideration. <laughs> but this was a really nice pattern, and it was interesting because it was toe up, and I usually prefer cuff down. So it was a little bit of a mind bender for me, but it worked out okay. And then having the foot part went really quickly because that one, that part is just knitting and then you get to the cable and it's just a little bit of, a little bit of something, something going on while you're knitting. So that was, that was fun. And then the yarn is so beautiful and it's self-striping and she gives you, when you buy her perfect self-striping, she gives you two half skeins so that when you wind them, you end up with your colors matching perfectly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me if my stripes don't line up, but a lot of people do get very antsy about that. So she takes all the guesswork out of it for you. So you start at the beginning of your skein and it'll be exactly the same. I guess you could flip it if you wanted to. So that was really nice. But when you're doing stripes, you're always, especially with this many colors and it's always like, oh, let me just do one more stripe. Let me do one more stripe. What one's gonna, what's gonna be next? So plus very bright and cheerful. So I enjoyed those. And then I had you know two free sock needles. So I started another pair. Another vanilla is the new black. I went back to my basic knitting, basic sock knitting. I think this is my fourth pair of these. And that pattern is by Anna Fletcher. Still going through my white birch fiber art stash that I got at Stitches West this year. This colorway is called Roman Nomial. And I don't know why, but it is. It's a blue and a green stripe, but each stripe 
within each stripe, it go, it starts dark and then goes almost to white and then comes back all within an inch. It's amazing. I have no idea how she does it. It's really nice. It's less vibrant than the ones I just did, but, but very nice. And that's just a plain. So that's all my, my TV knitting, my, my board meeting knitting and, and all that stuff. And then what else? Oh, I did finish my dragon rider cowl that I had been working on. That was a kit from Forbidden Fiber Company. And that was the six different colored mini skeins, one red, two blue, three green. And it came with the dragon rider cowl pattern that had the first half of it was in fisherman's ribs. So super chunky and squishy and the knit stitches of the ribbing stand out in a different color on each side. And then the rest of it, you kept the same color pattern, but the bottom half went back and forth between stockinette and garter stitch. So the second half of it went much more quickly, but I really like it. And it's a pretty tall cowl. So in a pinch, I could wear it outside and <laughs> put it up over my face. Although I know knitting does not work as well as fabric, but you know, desperate times, maybe in the fall when things have settled down a little. So I really like you it. You went to the store. You could use it to get into a store. Probably. You may rather have something better. (laughs) Yes. And I do have better things, but you know, in a pinch if I needed to in the future. So, Um, and that's another one, bright colors, very cheerful. Uh, Is the red like a deep red or is it kind of a corally red? It looks more coral. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bright. Yeah. Yeah, It goes really nice with the blues. It's really pretty. Yeah. it's fine. And then the whole kind of inside is all the greens. Um, it was interesting to try and figure out how to arrange the colors. And there are a couple other finished examples on Ravelry. So you can see what other people did. And because you do two colors, two colors, two colors, and then repeat your, your mm-hmm. loop. So, so I'm pleased with how it turned out. I like having all the greens on the inside. It kind of made the background. And I'm more of a red and blue girl. Anyway, all the green is a lovely, lovely color as well. And then I started, I started a sweater. So I started the continuous... I'm going to call it a sweater. It's really more of a giant oversized shrug. And that is from Kelly White Designs. And this yarn, I also got at Stitches West. So I am going through that stash, which is pretty impressive because usually I buy it and then think about it for a while. This yarn is from Sincere Sheep. It's her favor base, which is an Aran weight yarn that is 85% wool and 15% alpaca. The designer was in the booth when I was there and she was taking photos. She had like had this pattern. She was wearing it. Someone else in the booth was wearing it. So they were taking pictures of it and talking about it. And it's really cute. So it would be kind of the perfect thing for San Francisco when it's, you don't know what the weather's going to be or you're going across town from fog to sun. And so you just need a little something or kind of a big something, but it's lacy. So I was talking with her and I had a 10% coupon for Sincere Sheep. So I figured if I was ever going to buy the yarn for this project, now would be the time to get it at a nice discount. So I did. And so now I have started. It's Erin Waits, so it should go pretty quickly. So it's big, chunky yarn on big needles, totally different from knitting socks, kind of the complete opposite. <laughs> you want <laughs> holes in this fabric. The yarn, I don't know what the colorway is. It's, um, it's a purple. And I haven't gotten too far into it because I've really been into the sock knitting. And because it is lace, I still haven't quite got into the rhythm of the pattern. So I need to do it a little bit more while I'm not watching TV so I can figure it out and get used to it before I make it my TV knitting. Once I'm done with this latest pair of socks, and then, you know, after I knit your birthday present, 
I'll get back to my sweater. <laughs> so we'll see. And I think that is all of my knitting. And then, yeah, lots of dreaming about things. You know, what's going to be next? All right. And that is it. And, hmm? I was going to say, do you think about what the thing is you want to make next or what yarn you want to use next? Or does it go hand in hand? Oh, it depends. Yeah. If I have a particular project that I have in mind, probably more the project. Although sometimes if I, you know, have, don't have anything, then I'll, I'll go with the yarn. Or there might be a skein that I kind of have an idea. Like when I got this, the Cascarones yarn, I knew I really wanted to knit that soon. So that was kind of at the top of my, my list. And then the, the pattern came out and the knit along to go with, you could do it with any of her, any of her yarns. Um, so I was like, oh, so I'll do that. And then this one, this one, I mean, the sweater was, was both. I had the yarn and I'd bought the yarn for a specific project. Mm-hmm. But I knew I wanted to work with it. But a lot of times, yeah, I'll just be like, oh, I want to do a sweater. What yarn am I thinking I want to use? Or, And not all of the yarn has a project associated with it. Right. That I understand. Yeah. <laughs> My supplies <laughs> seem to dictate what it is that happens next. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. I've got scrap leather. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> that is a good segue. So what have you been? I don't know if you're using an easel. What, 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 are, you, what are you on? I, oh, so oh, I wish I could show you all. So my husband is a furniture maker. And for the longest time we had this base from a drafting board, an old drafting board that we bought at the flea market on a street in San Francisco. I guess once a year, the neighborhood puts out all their stuff. And we had gone to this, this one, it must've must have been 15 years ago. It was, it was pre-kids, so it was like 17 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. And we came home with a ton of stuff. And then he put it you know, in the far back corner of some storage unit. So we never saw it again. So he's trying to clean out his storage space since he's got a little extra time on his hands right now. So we found the base and we've been talking. I, I love to do jigsaw puzzles as well, which I was going to bring that up later too, because the time is right. Um, so anyways, he built me this table that's almost the perfect size for any puzzle, though we have found out not for every puzzle. And it's a drafting table bottom. So it has all the mechanisms on it to tilt and raise and you can kind of set it up in a different way and actually I'm gonna backtrack a little bit this went back because I was doing some macrame which I'm still doing and I needed a I was trying to decide if I wanted to buy the pins and the board that you use because when I was a kid and I did macrame with my mom we used it all the time where we pinned our project onto the board and then you started there and um so I I didn't really want to buy this little board. And then my husband was like, hey, I have an idea. And so he built me a top to go with the drafting table base. And I can tilt the top any which way. I can raise it or lower it. So it's like a it's like a standing desk too, if I wanted it to be, which is great for macrame because when things get really long, you've got to stand up. The tabletop is cork, so I can stick pins in it. And then it has like a frame around it so that if I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle, it won't fall off the table. And it sits nicely on the cork and I'm finding it's the best table for all crafting. It's, it's a big table. It's, it's deep. It's pretty wide. A 2000 piece puzzle does not fit on it. <laughs> so I think I'm going to scrap the 2000 piece puzzle because I have nowhere else to do it. Oh, um, which is fine. If that pu- I opened it, I put it out on the table and it was just like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of puzzle. I, I love a thousand piece puzzle, but 2000. No, thank you. I, I could do it, but I'm not going to now. But so anyways, 
so I have this beautiful new drafting table, I guess. It's my crafting macrame table. So it's that's kind of, awesome. It's kind of like an easel, but it's, it's not. It's my own crafting space. So he's kind of fun in that way because you can tell him what you want. And if it's doable, he can make it happen. So, so that's nice. And I usually get something cool for my birthday, which is, as I said, coming up. And I know he's <laughs> working on something because he keeps saying, I got to work late tonight. I'm uh, working on a project. Oh. So I'll let you know. So anyways, as we went into shelter in place mode, I was super scattered because kind of this time of the year as a teacher, you're looking at the rest of the year and what you can get in to teach your kids and you're super focused and you know what each kid needs, hopefully. And you know, you're, you're sitting on this final sprint and we just stopped as everybody did in the middle of that final sprint. And so my head was elsewhere and I was really having a hard time concentrating. But because we had taken that leather class where we made the tote bags, I had been thinking a lot about leather and my husband had just made this table. And because he works with furniture, he has a lot of scrap fabric and leather. So I went to the shop with him early on and brought home a ton of leather. And I thought, well, let me start. And I didn't have a lot of tools yet, except I had some exacto knives and I, I make some jewelry. So I had some jewelry supplies. So I thought, why don't I start there and make some jewelry for my friends? Yeah, <laughs> so, you did. Well, I sat down for a week and made like 12 pairs of earrings and delivered those out. And I still have a list of friends who haven't gotten earrings yet. So I got to get back to that. But um, that first week I sat in my back window and looked out at the view and made jewelry for like hours every day. And it was great. It was really fun working with the leather and just getting the hang of it. And, and I bought some more tools that week that have since come and um, I've gotten to use those and try different things, but I haven't made anything other than jewelry. I'm not sure it's thick enough leather to make a tote. It's pretty soft leather. It's thick. The ones you used in my earrings? Yeah, it's thick, yeah. but it's really soft. It's yeah. a lot squishier than the leather that we used to make a tote. I think it could work for like like a little mini threefold wallet or something oh, yeah. small for like your credit cards or business cards or you know like a little something little. But I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I'm not sure yet. I don't really have the stuff to stitch. I have the stuff to do mm. the um, grommets. Are they grommets? Yeah. I can do some hammering um, and I can punch holes. Did you do the earrings all the same design or were they? Um, I did a lot of that design. I really liked that design. I think that shape is really flattering on everybody. And I had a lot of colors. So I tried to do a pair in each color. So what I did was I cut three strips and then I just punched holes at the end of each strip and then looped it around. So it's like a three tiered teardrop shape. And I had purple and burgundy and green and black and white and like a natural color and a I say gray. So I made a bunch of those. And then there's a lot of earrings that I've seen that are kind of a leaf shape. So I, I made some of those. And then I did some other ones that are kind of a big leap. I guess it's a leaf shape, but you take the two tips of the leaf and you loop it. So instead of being like a thin strip, it's like skinny at the top oh. and then it's folded in the middle. And um, a couple friends got earrings with, with two colors. Oh, cool. Um, anyway, so I just made a bunch of leather drop earrings. Yeah, and they're really nice because they're a good size, but they're not, because they're the strips, they're not huge, and they're also not heavy. No, they're not heavy at so, all. That's nice. Which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, so they're very wearable. 
Yeah, so that was kind of fun. So I made lemon drops and found enough mason jars for a, a handful of friends that live in the neighborhood. And I, I delivered earrings and lemon drops that first Friday. And then yeah, took me a while to make yeah. the mojitos. <laughs> Those were equally delicious. Those were really good. And I've been making yeah. quite a few of those yeah. on the weekends. So cocktails crafts. Yeah. <laughs> I see, I see a party when we can all get back together. We can. I know. All of us with our food skills. Well, that brings us to on the table, unless you had any other crafting to talk about. No, I haven't really made anything else except work in the garden, which I talked about before. I'm doing one of those scrap gardens on my windowsill. I think. Oh, can- yeah. How is that going? So it's going okay. So I was sad this morning because what I thought was going to be my best head of lettuce, it all rotted out through the middle. Oh. So, but um, two heads of lettuce, you take the core of the lettuce that's left over after you've peeled most of the leaves off and you can place that in a glass of water with like a centimeter or two of water, just a tiny bit of water. And then lettuce leaves will start growing out of that. And I've done three of them. One of them I've planted in the garden and it looks great, it's growing. Another one is still on the windowsill. A lot of people are talking about green onions and you just take the rooted side and stick them in water and the greens will continue to grow so you can cut your scallions, your green onions. Do you guys have a raised bed for your vegetables or how do you? (laughs) Yeah, we have a raised bed in the back. We live in a cold, windy place. (laughs) So (laughs) most things won't grow. But um, I do, I can grow carrots and I can grow lettuce and other greens and strawberries for some reason grow all year long. Like I was showing Monica, I picked a big juicy red strawberry this morning. Yeah, we used to have strawberries too and then it kind of got overgrown and the dog kept using it for his bathroom so that was <laughs> I had to watch them really, really <laughs> yeah I've got shard that I planted last year that finally looks good my garden takes about a year to look good and then if the timing is right it will keep growing and if the timing is wrong it all just dies because it's winter so oregano grows really well mint we can grow mint Right. I, I can't grow mint. I've tried mint. Really? I haven't put oh. it in the raised bed because it takes over and I don't want it yeah. to take over my raised bed. Right now I have poppies everywhere though. California poppies, the birds drop them somehow and they oh, nice. eat and I just have, my backyard looks like a field of wild poppies. Oh, cool. And so we don't have to go to the Central Valley. We can just go to your backyard. Just come over to my backyard. It's that and a lot of other weeds. <laughs> and we, we weed whack it once in a while so that you can sit back there. Nice. But around the poppies. Good idea. So, yeah, just a little gardening. The beet, the top of the beet grew some beautiful beet greens. So if you like beet oh. greens, you can do that. And that grew, they're not big enough to eat yet, but it grew really fast. And when it is big enough to eat, I'll have a, a full, you know, a lot, a lot of beet greens. So I'm not sure if I've ever had beet greens before, but it looks pretty. Yeah. So we'll, we'll let it grow and see what happens. Cool. We'll have to, we'll have to, I'll have to check in and report back. And how those go. Um, But for other stuff on the table, I did want to do a quick whipped coffee update. I was not impressed with it the first time I did it. And then I did it again. Our grocery store, I finally found where they were hiding the regular instant coffee because I had been using the Starbucks instant coffee, which is super finely ground. And I think that made it not work so well because I used the regular instant coffee, sugar, water, and it whipped up in two seconds much frothier, much creamier. So that time when I had it, and I also didn't use ice in my milk, I just had cold milk. 
you could taste more of the froth in it because you put the coffee on the whipped coffee on top of the milk and then stir it in. So the first time I did it, I was like, it's iced coffee with milk. I'm not super excited. It's way too complicated. But my husband was really into it, so I kept making it. Simon loved it. He's like, oh, this is great. He was also not making it, so that could be part of it. But then I made it and got it super frothy, gently stirred it into the milk. It kept the whipped consistency. So it did feel a little special. So I'm enjoying it more. And we have a giant thing of instant coffee now, so I can continue to make it. My, my daughter asked me to buy some instant coffee for something she was going to bake, but she is now making um, coffees. So I, I think that trend is, is spreading. And yes. my young people, I have to like try and hide the coffee now because they want to drink coffee every day. And I have never had a cup of coffee in my life. Really? I am a tea drinker. I tasted it once. Oh. I thought it was not my thing. So, so yeah. yeah. Well, the whipped ends up being very milky with a little hint of the coffee flavor. Yeah, and I've been drinking in the afternoon and that is messing with my sleep. So I need to, <laughs> I can't do it too often unless I know I'm going to stay up and watch movies or something, then I try and stay away from it. But I am, I am much happier with it than I was last time. I am still doing a lot of baking. My, my younger son walked in when I just pulled a cake out of the oven. He's like, I like this quarantine. We get a cake every week, <laughs> <laughs> which did not used to be the case. So this, I have made three cakes in the past two weeks. So we're even ahead of that. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up making the Rosa's Mud Cake, which is a recipe from Dinner, A Love Story. I had talked about this because there was another chocolate cake that I had made that was based on the mud cake recipe. And I have the mud cake recipe. I'd never made it. I'd you know, seen it because I have her uh, Dinner, A Love Story book, Jenny Rosenstarch. So I figured, well, I need to make the original and see which one we like better. Um, and I, I think I like the original a little better. They were, I didn't notice too many differences in the actual cake recipe. They use different frostings. This one was more of a chocolate buttercream, although she called it a ganache. But I, I think of a ganache as like a, just chocolate and cream and kind of more oozing on top of the cake and a buttercream. This had butter and you melted the chocolate as well, but I don't know. So but it was delicious. And that's the used coffee in that to give it that really dark flavor. It doesn't taste like coffee, but it just makes the chocolate really more chocolatey. So that was delicious. But the original, the other one, the first one that I made, this is the original, the first one that I made from Julia Tertian was also really good. So whichever one you and, uh, want to make, I think this one is available on the Dinner Love Story website. And it's all, you make it in one bowl, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. And then I bought on Kindle, which was a little tricky, Simple Cake by Odette Williams, which came out probably last year sometime. And I had heard about it. It has great pictures, like 10 cake recipes, 10 basic cake recipes, 15 frostings and toppings, and then ideas on how to combine them. I had stayed away from it because of the gluten-free in our house. So I figured... If it's all about, you know, simple, perfect cakes, it's not going to work out as well. But then it was on sale for $1.99 on Kindle. <laughs> and since oh. I'm doing baking, I figured I could splurge and get that. So I've made two cakes from that. And cooking out of a Kindle cookbook is a bit of a pain, especially yeah. with the cake and the frosting and the ingredients are one thing. So I've kind of got like my phone open to where the ingredients are. And then I use on my computer. I look at the actual instructions. And despite the fact that it's called simple cake, you generally use about four <laughs> bowls per cake. She's very into like 
you know, you do the cream, the butter and the sugar, and you've got a separate bowl where you mix your flour and separate bowl for mixing your liquids. And uh, so that's, <laughs> I mean, it's simple. It's all basic. It's basic. It is really clean, pure cake ingredients. I did the vanilla cake to start because I figured, well, let's start the most simple. And it was delicious, even just using my regular gluten-free flour. And she's very, she's very much a baker, very specific about this is how you should aerate your flour and make sure you sift it or stir it or, you know, the proper way to spoon it into your measuring cup. I was not quite so finicky. It turned <laughs> out fine. I did follow like her time instructions. She has you cream the butter and sugar for, I think, four minutes at least. So I did that. And I think that probably helped to get the things really mixed. For the vanilla cake, I put a chocolate crumble on top. But as I pulled it out, I realized, oh, okay, it's basically a coffee cake, which I never make. But it was delicious. The, the chocolate crumble was so good. And you put chocolate chips in it as well. The only problem was she had mentioned cooking it in a springform pan. And I decided I didn't need to bother with that. And then I pulled it out. And I realized that if you've got chocolate crumble on top of the cake, you can't really flip it over to get it out of the pan. So that was an adventure. I let it cool and then kind of took my fish spatula and stuck it under there and like scooted it out of the pan really quick and it actually stayed together. Nice. And did not fall apart. So that was really good. And then since it was basically coffee cake, we could have it for breakfast the next morning as well. Perfect. So that was good. And then I just made her milk and honey cake, Ooh. which was really good. It had this beautiful honey flavor. Um, and she said she likes to play around with it and use kind of the, the flavored honeys, like if it's, you know, thyme, honey that comes from thyme or lavender. So you can, you'll definitely get that flavor in there as well. And that you use, it's basically buttermilk. She has you sour the milk, the milk and lemon juice, which is what I will usually do when something calls for buttermilk because I never remember to buy it at the store. Um, but that was a really good cake as well. And then I used the mascarpone easy creamy icing, which is kind of a glaze but a little thicker, um, and you use mascarpone and powdered sugar. Usually, you know, you did milk and powdered sugar, and this, so this was a little bit thicker, but a little more tangy. It was a really nice combination, so I'm pretty pleased with that book. Yeah, and then she has an almond flour cake in there that's gluten-free. I think there's a chocolate one. There's a chocolate trace leches that I want to try. I think that sounds good. So there's a lot of, a lot of good things. I think it was well worth the two dollars. <laughs> And I will suffer through the, the cooking out of a Kindle, which is ugh, not fun. And then as far as actual cooking, I've been making things in bowls for some reason. I made a sweet potato and coconut milk stew. I made a spiced chickpea stew with coconut and turmeric. I made something else. I forget what it was, but it was something similar. I don't know. Lots of coconut milk with some sort of starch and a green has kind of been my go-to. And then I made green beans on the side of something and miso butter. Ooh, I love which was, cooking with miso. Yeah. So, oh, and good. then you mix it with butter and it's just even better <laughs> as you might suspect. The only thing that went a little weird is, so it's one of those things where it has the recipe for the green bean. I mean, it's a recipe, right? Cook green beans, add miso butter. And then on the next page is the recipe for the miso butter. You were only supposed to use like a tablespoon of the miso butter, but it made a quarter cup and I didn't read it that quickly. So I dumped <laughs> the quarter cup of the miso butter. So they were amazing. 
<laughs> Potentially even a little too buttery, but it was delicious. Ooh, that sounds really good. I make green beans all the time and they could use a little update. I'm going to try that. Yeah, it was just a nice little extra bit and the miso, you know, I mean, it just has that great flavor, just makes it a little bit different. So that was good. And I think that's the kind of, because I was trying to, I was been thinking about this this past week, you know, my go-to carnivorous meals are sort of roasted chicken, make some rice or potatoes and a veg, right? And you don't even need to necessarily sauce any of that. But if I'm doing just vegetables, I feel like it needs something more. And I think that's what holds me back. So I'm thinking I need to work on my sauce game or things like miso butter, where you can just do that little extra hit of flavor where it's not that complicated though. Mm -hmm. I tend to want to try and dress my vegetables up much more. And, and I can't just do three plain things because then it's like broccoli, carrots, and rice. And I don't get excited about that. But if you put miso butter on it all, <laughs> it would probably be delicious. <laughs> or as I did with the lentils that I made the other night, dump a whole bunch of burrata on them. And can't go wrong. Was we really had burrata this week as well. <laughs> it's so good. And I had to tell the kids because my son was going back and just pulling the burrata off. I was like, no, no, no. You're not allowed to steal all the cheese. You take extra cheese. You have to take more lentils as well. He's like, okay. But they were good. That was a smitten kitchen recipe. And it had a basil vinaigrette and zucchini in there, but kind of chopped fine. So you didn't, you didn't taste it too much. That's what's been on my table. How about you guys? Well, we're definitely doing the bowl thing as well. I don't know yeah. what, I don't know why that seems so important, but I, I had purchased some actual new bowls that I hadn't pulled oh. out yet. I was kind of saving them till the old bowls broke or got too ratty or whatever. But anyways, I pulled them out because they can go in the dishwasher and my last set was a hand wash set. So, so I even pulled out the new bowls. So there were all, there's always bowls ready for whatever meal I've made. A, I made a tortilla soup. Oh. It was delicious. Just so simple. And the broth was so good. And I, I'm not even sure if I used a recipe, I might've just done it off the top of my head. I can yeah. do that. And then we, I made cream of broccoli soup because my husband buys when he does the shopping, we've been sort of taking turns and now I've decided I will do all the shopping. But when, when he goes, he, he gets like four heads of broccoli. So there's a lot of broccoli. So I made some broccoli soup, cream of broccoli soup. And I, my daughter, one of my daughters isn't doing dairy, which is really, really hard in a oh, yeah. food kind of time. Yeah. So I tried before I added the milk, I, we have some plain oat milk. So I added that and it was really bad match. So I, I did light milk instead of a ton of it. And I put the cheese on the side instead of putting it in the pot so that she could cheese it to her liking. And so it was kind of a lighter broccoli, cream of broccoli soup. With, I wonder if you did it with potatoes. Right, that would make it creamy. That, that would give it that consistency without right. actual cream. Right, right, right. And it was kind of creamy. Not a ton. But just, yeah. Even, I mean, I added a tiny little bit of milk and it really creamed it up right off the bat. So I just, yeah. just pureeing the broccoli really kind of makes it yeah. thicker and creamy. Yeah. And I had a lot of broccoli, so it was nice and rich. But one of the things that I did right off the bat was I got COVID-19 subscription to the New York Times. So I don't have access to all of the New York Times, but I do have access to a lot of the COVID articles, which I've been reading like crazy. And I get some cooking stuff. I don't have access to their whole cooking site, but um, I've been printing some recipes off there. And 
I remember like the first time I went to the store, the only beans they had left were dried lima beans, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I personally grew up eating frozen lima beans and loving them with butter on them. So I was like, oh, I'll make lima beans, which really all they are is big white beans. So I yeah. was going to make that recipe that you recommended from Smitten Kitchen, the, mm-hmm. the um, Higante. Pizza beans. Pizza beans. But then I found this recipe for a spicy white bean stew with broccoli rob. Oh, I made that one too. That was the other bowl thing I made. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, oh my God. So I tweaked it a little bit, but it was so good. Yep. And I think she has one in Smitten Kitchen too, maybe. So her emails are coming yep. where I never noticed them before. I'm totally noticing them and reading them cover yes. to cover, so to speak. I think that was how I started down the rabbit hole of things in bowls of like my spicy yeah. beans yeah. and greens stew. Yeah. 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 And She's got a lot of it in the cookbook and we started doing that when I got that cookbook or using that cookbook. And um, so this spicy bean stew was so delicious and I didn't make it too spicy, but I put out a little extra hot sauce for those who like a little extra spice, but it was lemony and it had feta on top and it was so good, but that was really good. And we were trying, oh, my daughter goes to Catholic school and decided to give up meat for Lent. So we were really trying to be vegetarian for those last couple of weeks in March and April. So I was, yeah, trying to get the protein in there and use the beans. And so that was, that was probably my favorite new thing that I've cooked. But other than yeah, that, that we, I think you've mentioned before, we've been pairing our meals with costumes. Yep. <laughs> and that was my 13 year old's idea. And it's kind of, it's kind of petered down a little bit. We did one this week maybe two but the hawaiian bowl is probably our favorite bowl and easy costume my husband likes to dress up from the waist up and not do the (laughs) thing so for him that's really easy we've been making some like leftover rice fried rice i put macadamia nuts in it i put pineapple in it i put peas and carrots in it and then i'll do I think we had fish or chicken one night. I, we've, we've done a couple Hawaiian bowls. So teriyaki chicken one night, fish one night. I put those crispy onions, mm. go on casseroles on top because those yeah, make yeah. everything taste better. I've made some of my own caramelized onions for bowls and then roasting whatever vegetables are sitting around. My husband really likes root vegetables. So he's been, when he goes to the store, all sorts of things that I never buy come home. So we've been getting creative with, just roasting whatever vegetables we have to put on the bowl nice. and using, you know, rice or pearl barley, or um, I think I bought like every kind of grain that I could find just so we could have different bases for the bowls. So yeah, I just bought some buckwheat because that's um, mm-hmm. not actually a wheat and it's gluten free. Right, right. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. Yeah. Ooh, get some of, have you gotten the buckwheat noodles, the soba noodles? No, usually they have flour in them as well as the buckwheat. Oh, do they? Okay, I didn't look. Yeah. They have some really good ones at our market. I'll have to look, I'll have to check, but I have some I'll generally. Check. Yeah, okay. generally they seem to throw some regular wheat in there. But yeah. If they don't, then they're fine. Right. Right. But yeah, I'll we've been them. pretty much doing a lot of bowls and not a lot of meat, fish from time to time, but that's usually a special trip to a different store, so. Yeah. That's been on the table. Nice. On the nightstand. Well, so if we had talked on Thursday, like Courtney and I usually do, I would have had very few books because I was reading long books. So I didn't get as many through. But since it's Sunday, 
I've had the weekend and I went with <laughs> very light reading this weekend. So I've gotten through a few more things. So the first one is one I listened to, which is Hand on the Wall by Maureen Johnson. And this is the finale of the trilogy. What is it called? I can't, I don't know. So it's the, the girl and she's at the high school in Vermont and there's all these murders going on and there's a historic murder. And so this was the wrap up of the series. And it was good. There was a couple little weird things that I didn't quite understand how she got there. But overall, it was a fun little series. Not too much chain angst. It's a, I think it's a young adult series. And I listened to it. So that was, that was enjoyable for while folding laundry and, and whatnot kept me entertained. And then I read Broken Harbor by Tana French. So this is the final of her books until she comes out with a new one. So you guys don't have to hear about her for a while. Broken Harbor is her fourth book in the Dublin murder series. The detective was the official murder detective in the previous book, the Frank Mackey one, who is the undercover cop. So he got in trouble because he didn't solve that case. So in this one, he's still a murder detective and a big case comes in and his boss decides that he's suffered enough and he'll give him this big case and try and get him back on the you know golden career path that he had been on. It's in a suburb of Dublin where his family used to go for summer vacations. So he's got a personal connection with the town. He's got other personal drama going on while he's trying to solve this case. He's training a new guy. Um, so this one, I really liked it because it was so, there was so much weirdness going on. Like you could, I think her characters, her lead characters are always a little bit unreliable as narrators because of their, all the stuff they're going through. And it is just from there. It's definitely a first person account. And this guy has so much stuff going on in his life. And then they do like an overnight stakeout. So he hasn't slept and, you know, he's gotten like two hours of sleep. And so there's so much stuff going on um, that you really, it's just this sort of impending doom. And like, you can't tell if people are having mental issues or they just haven't slept or, you know, you're not sure what's going on with, with him and the people around him and the murder victims. And there's so much craziness. So this one was a really, really interesting, intense kind of book. Yeah, and like, you don't necessarily like her characters because they're so, they have so many issues <laughs> and they're not necessarily like really good people, but it makes for a really compelling story, so. But I was talking with someone, was, it wasn't you, was it? Maybe we did talk about her. Did you, because somebody was saying that they were having a really hard time getting into it, her story. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I was listening no, to No, I think I got story. into mine. We'll talk, we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so, but I mean, they're definitely... They're not fast paced. You really have to get into the, just sort of go into the story. I mean, she will spend, and a lot of them I listen to, she'll have like a 45 minute chapter where it is one interview with one suspect, right? It is lots of details. They're not fast paced. But if you like that kind of thing, <laughs> then. <laughs> but I think, because I, I've talked about them a lot, and I think a lot of times police procedurals are very, you know, you're out, you're, doing the investigation and then there's a chase and you know there's all sorts of things going on and these are not quite that it's much more in-depth talking talking interviews but I really liked it and I have to wait for her to come out with a new one have you read everything that she's written I believe so wow which I think is seven or eight books yeah I think there's six in the murder series and then there's one that's a standalone and then I listened to and this one was only like three hours. So that was great. Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. And it takes place in the future, but something has happened. So we're back to not having cars and 
um, people get around in horses, and this takes place, I think, in Arizona. Um, so it's kind of a, a futuristic Western, <laughs> but they are on horses. Post-apocalyptic, you know, society's like craziness, so it's kind of the Western. So librarians will do a circuit taking books and materials to the towns. Um, so this woman, her best friend slash girlfriend has been executed for possessing banned materials and her father, our heroine's father is like the town sheriff and he was the one in charge of executing her. So she has run away from home to try and join the librarians because she thinks they are upright women and actually they are subversive. Shocking, I know. So it's kind of a Western adventure. She learns the ways of the world, a little bit of romance. So it was a really fun book. What's that called again? That is Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. So I don't know how big the book is. It was a really short audio, maybe three and a half hours. So I went through that one pretty quickly. And then in complete contrast, I read The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel, which is the final of her Thomas Cromwell series. Um, Wolf Hall was the first one. There was a PBS miniseries. Uh, and both of her first two books won the Booker Prize. And I imagine this one will at the very least be in the running. Um, so Thomas Cromwell was a minister to Henry VIII. He started off as a blacksmith's son and rose to power, chief minister really, and then was executed by Henry because he's crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's up for debate. He is not a nice guy and did not treat his servants very well. So this is the final one. It goes from the death of Anne Boleyn, which Thomas Cromwell kind of orchestrated to his own death. And it's very similar to the other ones, the ups and downs, the intrigues of the palace. And I was trying to figure out what it is that she does because it's mostly kind of a running commentary of what's going on in his head. And it'll be, you know, something that he's doing will bring up a memory. And so then she'll shoot back to something around his childhood or, you know, when he was traveling in Europe as a soldier and learning banking and, and all these things. And it's just this very lyrical kind of flowing prose and, it's just amazing. And then I wasn't having a lot of time to read. So I realized that when I had, I had ended up buying it just because I really wanted to read it. And they gave me the audio version for free. So I started flipping between listening to it and reading it, which helped me get through it. Just because I wanted, not that I wanted to like, hurry up and finish it. But I wanted to keep reading it. And this sort of allowed me to do that. But then I was getting closer to the end. And you know what's going to happen, right? He does. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so sad. I don't know if I want to read this. Maybe I should stop. Maybe I should go back to like not listening to it. It was beautiful. It's just, it's just beautiful. I love, I love her writing. So that was sad as I was to get to the end. I was really, really pleased to have read it. And, but yeah, that is a big honking book. That was not, is not it, three hours. Wasn't you, oh no, that was just one book, right? Even though it's a series. Yeah, yeah. The, the Wolf Hall is a series of... Yeah, so there's Wolf Hall, Bring Up the Bodies, and then this is The Mirror and the Light. Okay, so that's the last one. Yeah, and they're all big honkin' books. So after that, I wanted to read a nice, light, happy romance. So I picked up In Five Years by Rebecca Searle, which is not a light, happy romance. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a, you know, like a chiclet, emotionally <laughs> involved kind of book. So that was a little upsetting, but it was actually, it was a really good book. It kind of reminded me of What Sarah Forgot by Leanne Moriarty. A little more like that. Danny is our heroine and she has just had a fabulous day. She nailed the interview for her dream job. And then her boyfriend takes her to the Rainbow Room in New York and proposes. And so they're going to get married. Life is perfect. 
She goes home, she falls asleep and wake up, wakes up and it's five years later. She's in a different apartment with a different guy and a different engagement ring. Oh. And she's there for an hour and then she falls asleep again and wakes up and she's back in her regular life. She's like, what is going on? Totally confused. And it goes on from there. So she's trying to figure out what happened because she's totally in love with her boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. How could this have happened? Four years go by really fast, sort of summing up. And it takes you to about four and a half years. So like six months before her vision and goes on from there. And you find out like how she ended up, she's trying to avoid that. This is not what she wants. Um, So it was really, it was good. It was definitely a lot of drama. Uh, There were some tears that were shed, (laughs) Uh, but it was really good. I liked how she circled it around and brought it all back. It is definitely not a light read, but it was good. It was interesting. So that was In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. And then I definitely got a real romance book. This one I knew was a romance, so it was was good. Uh, Undercover Bromance by Lissa K. Adams. And this is the sequel to the Bromance Book Club that I uh, have talked about in the past. So the Bromance Book Club is seven or eight men who are leaders in Nashville society. Two of them are like major league baseball players. One guy owns a bunch of nightclubs. Another guy's a hockey player for their team. And they all get together and read romance novels as guides to becoming better husbands, partners for the women in their life. So this is the second one. Uh, The guy that founded the club, the book club, is having issues. There's a girl, there's a guy, you know, shenanigans ensue. (laughs) So that one was fun. That was what I was looking for. There was not, there was, there's some steaminess. It's not the most steamy or at least the most detailed of things that I've read, but there's definitely definitely a little bit of opening of the door. So be aware of that. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's really, it's it's amusing. It's written by a woman, but you get the, you know, she's channeling these guys and how they would react. And the opening scene is they made a decision, like they're coming out of the shadows, they're going to walk into a bookstore and they're all going to go buy a romance book. And they have to say, they can't say that they're buying it for someone else or as a gift. They have to own the fact that they're buying it. They're all like, oh my God, I don't know if we can do this. This is too embarrassing. So that was pretty fun. And that, uh, that is the last thing I have read or that I have finished anyway. How about you? I, I don't, I, I was trying to figure it out this morning. I'm having a hard time reading an actual book. Um, I don't know if it's the book that I last picked up or if it's because I'm reading so much newspaper and fact sheets about why we're at home and what's happening. But I was reading Disappearing Earth, which I know Courtney read in the book club from the, who she's in with, who's the person that I got the book from. <laughs> yeah. um, so our friend Danica gave me the book. I, this is the one in, this is the one in Kamchatka Peninsula. I'm having a really hard time connecting with it. I had been reading another book, which was beautifully written. I think every book I read these days, I'm getting off of this blog post. So (laughs) (laughs) you guys know the names of them. I was reading another book and every chapter ended really sadly. And I was thinking, I just, I, I need not a sad book right now. So she didn't really tell me what Disappearing Earth was about, but the first chapter ends and it's kind of horrific. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm just going to keep going. So anyways, I'm not connecting with it. I think I have three or four chapters left to go and it's just sitting on my, my bedside table. That sounds and, like maybe not the right book for this moment. I think maybe it's not the right book for this moment. I mean, every chapter is not horrible. I'm just not connecting. Yeah. Um, 
I'm looking for something a little lighter. And so in the meantime, I was listening to some books and I've decided that listening right now is perfect. I can listen while I do all the house things I have to do. So I was, I was, I thought I'll read a ton of French book or listen to one. So I picked up The Witch Elm because it was available. I'm all about what's available on, yep. on, <laughs> in the digital library. I couldn't connect with the characters and you and I did have yeah. a talk about yeah, that. Yeah, this was, this is, and, um, and then the way you describe how she writes about her characters is spot on. They're, they're kind of they're not likable. <laughs> they're not likable. They're in their heads. They're self-talking all sorts of doubt and anxiety. Yeah. And it's just what I was just like, and, and she does, she kind of goes on. Some of the chapters are really, really long. And I kind of would lose track of what was going on. And I really didn't like the main character. I, yeah. I could have cared less what happened to him. So I kind I did end up getting to where I think was almost the end. And then my, my loan. Came oh no. Out. And yeah. so I was like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so something did happen that to me was somewhat culminating and miserable. So I was like, okay, that's it. It's over. Good so, enough. Yeah. That I'm one, especially start. like that one takes a long time to get it to even the really, mystery part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it turned out not to be really about what I thought it was even going to be. about. Yeah. It starts off doing one whole, thing and then yeah. goes into a whole other thing. Yeah. Right. And it and takes I, a long time to get to that switch. Right. And then you kind of circle back. Yeah. But by that time, you're just kind of like, I don't really like this guy. Yeah. So I did almost finish it. I think I know how it ended, basically. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. So we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. That one's a little different from her. I mean, it's it's not totally different, but that one's a little more freeform, I think, than her murder. Yeah, it's not her... like a straight up murder mystery. Yeah, exactly. It, it's It's other stuff's going on. But then, and now I, I don't remember the order in which I did some things. I think before that, I finally listened to The River, which you had recommended like mm -hmm. right off the bat and maybe the first or second um, blog post, which I loved. It was, um, it was quick. I made lots of earrings while listening to yeah. it. And I kept thinking, oh, my husband will love this. And I really want him to read more. So I bought him a book and he hasn't opened it yet, but he has, he has a book <laughs> that I think he'll like. And He'll yeah. be, read through it. Um, yeah, my husband and Courtney's husband have both read, both read The River and they really liked it too. It was just know? a great story. I mean, it, that, yeah. that's a great story that you like the characters, you're interested in the good guys and the bad guys, and you're interested in what's going to happen. That, like I wanted to turn the page. Yeah. I was excited to find out what was going to happen and how it was going to end. And So that was great. And then I don't remember where I got this one from. It's called The Book Woman from Troublesome Creek. Did you get, or, I, I think Courtney read that one. Is that the, the librarians in the, in the depression? Yeah. So in the thirties, when they did the army Corps of engineers, is it Roosevelt came up with, um, or actually it was Eleanor Roosevelt that thought this would be a good plan to bring um, literature to the folks in the Appalachian mountains in Kentucky. Yeah. This one connects that also with this genetic mutation, which I couldn't pronounce for you. It's a family and their kin their skin turned blue. And so there's these blue people of Kentucky, this theme going on, but there's also, and one of the characters is a librarian on horseback or, or burrow back. Yeah, or, that, I have not read that one, but I think Courtney did. Okay, so that, that I loved. It was a great story. I love, I loved all the things about where it was and I could picture what it was like in Appalachia and I could picture the people and, and then it was just really interesting. And I had to go online then and learn about this genetic mutation and 
I could say it for like two weeks while I was reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those words that you don't really need in your vocabulary. So it slipped away. Yeah. So I finished that. That was great. I got a notification that a book I had wanted to read, and maybe this is the one that you or Courtney recommended too, because I had it on my wait list, was Jojo Moy's new book called Giver of Stars, which is also oh. about the women on horseback in Kentucky. Oh. And this is coming from a different point of view. It's an English woman that has married an American that moves back to America and they live in Kentucky and she doesn't know what to do with herself. And this job comes up. So it's her story living in this town. It's a small town and her relationship and the relationship of her and all the other librarians. And I'm really liking that. I'm almost done with that. And that has been, if it was not something I was listening to, I would be turning the pages. But that it's kind of light and easy, which is what I needed yeah. at this yeah, point. You, so you should read Upright Women Wanted and continue I was your, li- say. your librarian theme. And that when I, yeah, I got out of the library and it was, I'm pretty sure it was available. Maybe there was a little wait, but uh-huh. I'm trying to find something that I want to read because I feel a little guilty that I haven't really picked up a book. And but I'm apparently it does the same things in your brain. So it is literally, oh. as far as your brain is concerned, the same thing reading or listening. Sometimes though, the, the, the story will go on and I will have fallen asleep. <laughs> Whether <I'm laughs> that is a problem. In the backyard. <laughs> so at least for the book, if I fall asleep, there is no reading going on or listening. That is true. Messages. <laughs> so that was really good. And it was kind of fun because I was talking to a parent of one of my students right before we started our online class. And I was telling her about the book and she was asking if it was a kid's book. So that led me to look for books for kids about these mounted librarians, talking to the school librarian at our elementary school. And so we've come up with a short list, which I don't have in front of me, but there are a couple books for kids, more books on the Bibliobrough, which is kind of the same, the same theme, but this happened in South America. They were taking books to people who lived up in the mountains who couldn't get down. Same as, you know, same situation, different country. And then I found a romance and I thought, ooh, I'm going to read a romance that involves the librarian on horseback. And it looks super, the the cover of the book looks very traditional. So this is not a kid's book? No, no. I found some (laughs) kid's books and then I found, (laughs) and then I found a romance. Don't confuse the two. The cover of the book is very romancy. Oh, what is this one called? Oh, and I, I, you know, I don't know where I put that piece of paper. All right. Well, we'll I put will, it in I'm the sorry, show notes. I will get it for you. <laughs> that was on, I found it on, uh, I think it popped up and I could only get it on Kindle. So I've plugged my Kindle back in and I'm charging it so I can get that one. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. I'm kind of on a theme of librarians on horseback. It's a whole nother world to send my, yeah. my other self to while we're stuck at home. All right, so while we're stuck at home, we are going to continue to do on the fly. We don't have too many exciting things this episode, but I had a few. So the first one is an idea from Dinner Love Story. Her family, hold on to your horses, rotated their dinner seats one seat clockwise. (laughs) And I floated this idea to my family, and they were all like, oh no, that that's just too much, too crazy. But she said they tried it. And I guess they're going to go all the way around in a circle and, and just see what happens. And it is funny how oh, yeah. the thought of doing that makes me really tense. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could do that. But it did sound really interesting. It's funny because yesterday I came up with, well, since we can't take a vacation and go to a hotel, what if we all swap rooms? 
<laughs> like, what if the kids slept in our room and then I got my own bed upstairs and my husband got his Ooh. own bed in one of the girls' rooms and we had a little night away. <laughs> that is, it's kind of the same thing, yeah. Kind of random, but it came up yesterday. <laughs> you do what you can. And the other thing is my niece, I think I mentioned this last time, she just got a multi-poo. So she has a little tiny puppy and he now has his own Instagram thread and he is the most adorable puppy. And so she's got pictures of him like he's running and then he just face plants and he gets up and he's going again. He's so tiny and cute. So I recommend checking that out. It's a public account. So she's not hiding her puppy or anything. Um, and he is Marlo, M-A-R-L-O-W-E, the Maltipoo. That's just my little little daily dose of joy seeing your little puppy. And he's so tiny. He's just, he's so tiny. How about you guys? My kids are kind of doing their own things. My husband and my daughter have decided that it would be really cool. I think they were reading about the gentleman who walked every street in New York City. Oh, goodness. Um, and they were inspired to ride their bikes on every street in San Francisco. Wow. So, so I think three nights a week they hop on their bikes. And this is my daughter's gotten a new bike <laughs> since this started because she was about a foot too tall for her bike. <laughs> um, they go out for like two hours every couple nights. They usually will drive to the neighborhood that they want to ride in so that they mm -hmm. can spend their time on the streets um, in that neighborhood and not getting there. Because I guess one night they they rode over to Pacific Heights to ride through Pacific Heights and like I got four streets and we're like, oh, we got to go back. The mom's making dinner. But anyways, they've been all over the city. They've been downtown. They've been to the Haight. They've been all over the Sunset, to the Richmond, to the Presidio. And they're getting, you know, it's, they've got way more than 50% of the city to go, but they've got a good, and they have a map that they're marking every day. Oh, that's fun. And then choosing where they want to go. So yeah. that's they're kind of for the, for the super athletic yeah. <laughs> ride up hills. I was going to say, there's a lot of hills too. And myself and my younger daughter are not joining them. So that's been kind of fun for them. They're, they're the two that need to get out and can't sit still. While I yeah. can sit in the backyard with a book, either live or on, on my phone and yeah. for half the day. Yeah, our household is kind of divided that way too. Yeah. I mean, both my boys will get out and do stuff, but my younger one is much happier staying home than the other one is so yeah all right well thanks for chatting with me sure. it's good to good to talk to you again you too. keeping in touch but <laughs> yes not this long of a chat all right share so until next time make sure to do something you love every day bye <laughs> bye guys Hey y'all, I forgot to mention this while I was chatting with Kelly, but Courtney and I are going to be bringing back the summer bingo. It is May, so that means we are starting this month, Memorial Day weekend here in the US, May 25th, so we'll be starting the weekend before, so May 23rd. So we'll have more details on our next episode, but just wanted to let you guys know to look out for that and get excited and if you have any ideas for bingo squares please let us know either on instagram or email us or go on the ravelry group and we can chat there looking forward to it talk to you later show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com you can find us on instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtney sf that's c-o-r-t and why
On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.